Hi, this is Pastor Jim. Thanks for joining us for this week's message from Riverside Church. I believe you will be inspired and blessed by the Word of God. We'd love to welcome you to one of our services next time you're in the Brisbane area. If you'd like to know more about us, go online at www.riversidecc.org.au or like us on Facebook to hear about up-and-coming events. I hope you enjoy the message. God bless you. We are going through a series this whole year called Jesus Said. And we're looking at the different things that Jesus said, particularly to people in situations and circumstances and situations that He was in and how He responded. And this next portion of Scripture I have read many, many times. And when, you know, we're working through the Gospels systematically as it were and this was the next one that that we came to I mean we've got some wonderful preachers in our church and I know you agree with that we're so blessed but I looked at this portion of scripture and I thought gee I just don't want to touch that like Pastor Randall was saying you know there are things you read and you go well what does that really mean but as you begin to delve into the word of God and let me encourage you to do that and start meditating on the Word of God, then the Holy Spirit begins to open up the Word of God to us and it becomes so exciting. So let's pray. I hope you are excited as I am at the end of the message concerning this next portion of Scripture. Holy Spirit, we love you. Thank you, Jesus, for sending the Holy Spirit. Father God, I pray that as we come to your Word, let it bring nourishment to our heart and our soul and our mind. Lord, that we would not be just hearers, but we would be doers. And everyone said, Amen. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 9, and we are going to read three verses, verse 14 to 17. Oh, that's actually probably five verses. And this is Jesus, and He's standing around with His friends, His disciples... And this is what happens. Then the disciples of John came to him saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? I think that's a really interesting opening line just there that Matthew grabs where he says, You know, why do we, that's John's disciples, John the Baptist's disciples, and the Pharisees fast? And John, John's disciples, they, they were turning, you know, really their noses up at the Pharisees, you know, because they were, you know, they were quite religious in everything they did. But in this moment, it's really interesting when people, well, when Jesus and His disciples are not doing it, doing fasting, and they are, they kind of like turn on Jesus. That's awfully weird to me. Because the disciples of John and the Pharisees, they were so at polar ends of what was taking place. But they said, why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? Next verse. The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. No one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment 
for a patch tears away from the garment and a worse tear is made. Neither is new wine put into old wineskins and if it is, the skin bursts and the wine is spilled and the skins are destroyed. But the new wine is put into fresh wineskins and so both are preserved. So what is Jesus saying here? You know, when you are reading the Word of God, you have to ask the questions, Lord, what are you saying? Is he speaking about fasting? Is he speaking about weddings? Is he speaking about repairing cloths? Is he, is he talking about the production of wine? What's taking place? Well, what was taking place was the Pharisees fasted quite often. They fasted on national days like the National Day of Atonement. They also fasted twice a week. They actually fasted on a Tuesday and a Thursday. Who would like to join the Pharisees? Not me. Twice a week, fasting, that's, that's a little bit extreme, don't you think? And John and his disciples, they actually followed suit to some degree about fasting. And so they said, well, the Pharisees fast and we fast, but you guys don't fast. And it's a strange question because at that moment, John's disciples... They were probably fasting because John the Baptist was in prison. He had been taken by Herod, thrown in prison, because Herod didn't like what was said about him. And they're fasting, wanting John to be released from the situation. And that was confusing to them. And it's interesting if we look at it historically, what is the connection between John and Jesus? They're first cousins. They're cousins on their mother's side. And if you had a cousin who was in prison, and you're a spiritual person and a believer, would you fast that God would intervene and take them out of that situation? And I, I think I would say, yes, absolutely. I mean, if uh, one of you were in prison somewhere, and it were, you know, in a different country, and the situation was terrible, I am sure that we would fast and be praying for you to be released. But Jesus wasn't fasting. He wasn't interested in that situation because he was about what God had called him to be about. And then Jesus gives three examples to explain himself what you should not do in certain circumstances. And for Jesus it was, no, this is not the time to fast. So here's the first example. Can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them. The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them and then they will fast. So when there was a wedding in the days of Jesus, there were what they called the bride's men and they were men who hung around the bridegroom and they would actually celebrate. And in fact, when there was a wedding back in those days, when the wedding was complete, they had between five and seven days of celebration. They never went on their honeymoon. You would party literally for five to seven days. Can you imagine if you had four daughters, Pastor Randall, and four daughters decided to... Crazy, because he has four daughters... 
And every daughter decided, well, I'm going to get married in the first week and then I'm going to get married in the second week and I'm going to get married in the third week and I'm going to get married in the fourth week. You'll have to look for another job, Pastor Randall. (laughs) Five to seven days of celebration. And if you didn't do that, well, shame on you. So look out. Imagine that. Five to seven days of celebrating. And Jesus is saying here exactly, look, look what he says. He says, can the wedding guests, can they mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? Of course not. That doesn't make any sense. You just don't do that. And Jesus was saying, I am the bridegroom. You are the bride. No time for fasting. Jesus was only here for three years. There are things that you just don't do. And the people who were standing around listening to Jesus, because he had a group of people following him, he said, the bridegroom doesn't fast, or the bride's men, they don't fast, because that's just ridiculous. No, fasting, you just don't do that. Here's the second point. It says, no one puts a piece of cloth or unshrunk cloth or a new piece of cloth on an old garment. For the patch tears away from the garment and is worse and a tear is made. So you can imagine if you had an old shirt. I think the oldest shirt that I have is when I got it in 1985. It is just wonderful. You know those shirts and you can hold it up to the light and you can see the light perfect. And I know it's 1985 because that's when Pastor Pavey and I went around Europe and Great Britain and Finland for three months. And it's, it's, not, it's, it's almost like a, a shirt, but it was actually a sloppy joe, you know, a fleecy liner. And it had on it when we went 1985. And actually, I had a red one and Pastor Pavey had a blue one and I lost mine, so I stole hers but I wear it. 1985. Now, horrors of horrors, if there is a hole in that thing, which there are many, there is no way in the world would I get a new piece of cloth and stitch it to that, because when you wash it, what happens quite often to new pieces of cloth? They shrink, and then it would just rip it. So now I have to find a piece of cloth from 1985 to stitch on my fleecy. I think I might wear that one Sunday just to prove it to me. It's just wonderful. And the people who were standing around when Jesus says, you don't sew the old piece of cloth onto, uh, sorry, a new piece of cloth on the old piece, is that you just don't do that. You just don't do that. That's ridiculous. And I can imagine them all standing around going, gee, what's wrong with these guys? You just don't do that. And then he uses a third illustration and he says this, neither is new wine put into old wineskins. If it is, the skin bursts and the wine is spilled and the skins are destroyed. Now let me just say this. I have heard from many a preacher saying that the new wine is the new move of God by the Holy Spirit and that you better not be an old wineskin. 
you need to be a new wine skin because the Holy Spirit wants to move with new wine. Can I just say this? The Holy Spirit has never, ever been mentioned in the Old Testament or the New Testament as wine. Ever. Wind, fire, oil, water, tongues, but never wine. It's not what Jesus is saying here. It might sound romantic. It might sound interesting. But folks, the Holy Spirit has never been mentioned as wine. Just the opposite. What is Jesus saying here? He is giving us an example of things that you should not do at certain times. And for Jesus, no fasting for him. Do you know those wineskins that they made? A goat would hold 30 litres of wine. And they would get the skin the goat, sew it up, put the wine in, the new wine, and when the new wine was put in, it would start to ferment and it would create gas and then it would completely stretch out. There's a record that they found, going back a long, long time, that they got a bullock and they used that as a wine cast. That held 200 litres of wine. Can you imagine carrying that around? No chance. You can't put new wine into an old skin. And it doesn't refer to us. It refers to what Jesus is saying is, you just don't do that. It's not the time for fasting for me. That's the end of it. And I can imagine the disciples of John going, wow, this is not Jesus' call to fast. However, there are times when we fast because Jesus has gone and we need to fast. So to encourage you all this morning, I'm going to speak to you about fasting. Who's excited about fasting? Yay! Yay. <laughs> Fasting's good for us because Jesus has gone and now we must do that. And in fact, in Matthew chapter 6, in the Sermon of the Mount, Jesus says, when you fast. So it's not kind of like, oh, I'll, I'll pray about that, Jesus. No, it's when you fast. So this morning, how do you fast? When do you fast? Why do you fast? And so we're just going to unpack that a little bit this morning, because I believe that God is calling his church to fast at different times to have the move of God be intensified now the thing about fasting is this number one why should we fast I have actually heard this out of the lips of a believer when we have proclaimed fast in this church oh great now I can lose weight and I'll fast wrong wrong that's not why we fast now, I know there's a big kick on, you know, intermittent fasting and there might be benefits for you on the physical side. But when a believer in Christ fasts, this is for a spiritual impact in your life and the life of the others. Amen. And it's for a purpose. So what is your motive for fasting? 
Why should we fast? Here's the first one. It is to seek God's guidance. God guides us in our fast. In Judges chapter 20 verse 24, Israel and Benjamin were having a fight and Israel lost because there was a a major issue going on with the, the Benjamites, what had taken place. And Israel said, we're going to step into this situation. And they stepped into it and they lost 18,000 men that day in a fight. And so they sought God and God said, go. And they sought God with prayer and fasting. So we fast to seek God's guidance in a situation. If you're unsure what to do, you fast. Secondly, it's to express grief. Again, in 1 Samuel chapter 3, uh, 31 verse 8 to 13, we see that Saul and his three sons died and that they took his body and his sons and they put them in the, the idol of, of worship with Baal. They pinned them to the wall. The men heard of it and they took the bodies down and they buried them and they prayed and fasted for seven days out of grief for Saul. So you can express grief in fasting. Thirdly, to seek deliverance and protection. In first, uh, sorry, Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 1 to 4, the Moabites, the Ammonites, came against Judah. And Jehoshaphat prayed to seek deliverance and protection. So you can seek God in that time with prayer and fasting for deliverance, for protection. Because God will be with you in those times. Number four, to express repentance and return to God. 1 Samuel 7 verse 1 to 6, Samuel called the nation to repentance because they again were serving foreign gods. And he says, you guys have got to stop this nonsense. And he called them to prayer and fasting and they did and God turned his hand towards them in favour. To humble oneself, to express that point of you are God. Now in this example here, 1 Kings chapter 21, it is about Ahab. Do you remember Ahab and Elijah? And Elijah called down, you know, for the prophets of Baal. And Ahab's a king and he worshipped Baal. And Elijah has this great victory. But then Ahab, what he does is he turns to God with repentance and asks God to move his hand towards him. And God does that for Ahab. Imagine that, a wicked king who comes to the point of saying, oh God, forgive me, move, change the circumstance. That is an amazing, great God of grace and mercy. So in a time of prayer and fasting, repentance and returning to God. To humble oneself, as Ahab did, and to express concern for the work of God. Do you remember Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 1 to 4, where Nehemiah hears about the walls of Jerusalem that are broken down? And he cried unto God and he fasted for an opportunity and then God opens the door for him to go and repair and restore the walls. And lastly, to overcome temptation and dedicate yourself to God as Jesus did in Matthew, where he fasted and prayed for 40 days tempted by the devil, overcame the devil and became 
the greatest ministry of God's grace, the Son of God Himself. So we fast for several reasons to see God's mighty hand. And there are other examples in the book of Acts when they fasted and prayed. So when to fast? When do you need to fast? Well, firstly, when you need a breakthrough in an area of your life. Sometimes people have addictions. It can be any type of addiction. But do you know when you start to fast and you start to, as it were, pierce the flesh and those desires, a breakthrough comes with prayer and fasting. Direction. If you need direction in your life. I remember the time when God called us to do several things. We would take the time to fast and to pray to get clarity that this is the direction to move in. And also for clarity from the Holy Spirit. You know, our world bombards us with a whole stack of different things. And it can just kind of like load us up and then we can't hear the voice of God. Fasting breaks through that stuff and brings us into the presence of God. And we, as it were, hear clarity from the Spirit of God. Because as a believer in Christ, you are now a spiritual being. You live in this body and you are in this world, but you're not of this world. You're primarily a being that is led by the Spirit of God because you are the child of God. And we must move towards that and develop and grow in our fasting to God. So how to fast? Well, pick a purpose. Why am I fasting? What is the reason? Do I need direction? Do I need to get a breakthrough? You know, the disciples of Jesus were trying to cast out a demon out of a, out of a person and they couldn't do it. And Jesus was asked, why can't your disciples cast this demon out? And Jesus said, it is only by prayer and fasting that these come. So you may need a breakthrough in your life in some area, in some way. Start to fast. Pick a purpose. And what to fast? Of obviously food. You know, some people find it and they can't fast food. But I tell you what, you can fast Facebook. You can fast television. And, and what is the purpose of a fast? It's to take away the thing that is most dominating in your life. You can go on a, a water and a vegetable fast. That doesn't mean that you don't eat vegetables, it's that you do eat vegetables and you don't eat everything else. But it's saying, I am pushing the flesh down and I am highlighting my spirit and I'm not allowing the things of this world to control me. So, what to fast? Is it food? Is it sugar? And if you're going to do a food fast and you're on medication, you need to talk to your doctor, you need to be wise about that. But I tell you what, the amount of times that I see people like this is hours and hours and hours. You know, when you're sitting, they have a little thing called screen time. Why don't you just have a look and see how much screen time you're on? You'll be absolutely shocked. Absolutely shocked. Maybe put that aside. Fast that. And pick a time period. You know, if it's not food, and if it's an event or something, say, okay, I'm going to set aside 
some time. It could be a meal. It could be a day. It could be a week. It could be several weeks. But the whole point is to focus for that one thing to get clarity for your life so that you are a child of God. Have a specific time to seek God and remove the distractions from your life. And then when you come off of a fast, I went on a very long fast once and was fasting food. And uh, at the end of it, after many, many days, I had this craving for a meat lover's pizza. It was two weeks on water and one week on vegetable juice. That's a long fast. I'm sure there's people done a lot more than that. But at the end of the fast, all I could think of was Domino's, meat lover's pizza. So I broke my fast with the Domino's meat lover's pizza. And let me tell you, I will never, ever break my fast with a meat lover's pizza. Because let me tell you, folks, it just was just terrible. Be wise. You just got to be wise when you're coming off a fast. And how not to fast. This is how not to fast. Are you ready? First point. Hey, everybody, I'm fasting. I'm fasting. I'm really spiritual. That's not how to fast. It's between you and God. In fact, Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 16. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their face that they are fasting, so it may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have already received their reward. So when you're fasting... Smile, be happy. And on the other side, don't make a big deal about it because it's between you and God. Otherwise, you will relo- you'll lose your reward. Now, often when I get a word like this, it's like, okay, God, what are you saying to us as a church? What do you want us to do? I think God is calling us to fast. Not now. But he's preparing us, getting us ready to fast. And there will be a time when I will call for the church to fast. But I want you to understand, there is a time to fast and there's a time not to fast. And when he calls us to fast, breakthrough will come. Put your hand up if you need a breakthrough somewhere in your life. We all do. Salvation for family job direction, you know, friends, healing, restoration. We all need that. God is going to call us to a fast and I want you to be absolutely prepared for it. And then we will seek God individually as a church and we will see the breakthrough that God wants us to have in our lives. Amen? Why don't you stand with me as we close in prayer this morning? And I just want us to pray that we, not now, because now is not the appropriate time, 
that we make that decision that when the fast comes, that we step into that fast. And it can be whatever God calls you to. But I'm telling you, that song we, we sang this morning, you know, it just lines up. A breakthrough is coming. Amen? A breakthrough is coming. But we have to do our part. I'm so amazed at the grace and the mercy of God that he would listen to Abe, Ahab, who killed his prophets, who brought Baal worship into their city. But God, in his mercy and his grace, he listened to his prayer because he fasted. That's amazing. And surely God will hear our prayer. And surely God will listen when we seek his face for those things that are great, like salvation, healing, restoration, wholeness, revival in our nation. Are you wanting revival in your nation? Do you want to see repentance that takes place? That people would call on the name of God? I want to see that. I want to see that. I remember once many, many years ago when I was an, a Christian and I was at a prayer meeting and I was on my knees, I was praying. I was probably saved maybe, I would say, a year. And God gave me a vision of Lang Park, Suncorp Stadium, filled with people and then them coming to God. All those years ago, I'm believing for that. Now, I'm, I'm not saying I'm the preacher, because that's arrogance. And I'm not saying that I organized it, because that's arrogance. But I think sometimes God puts things in our heart so that we can pray for it to see it take place. Amen? And that's our part. That's our part. Who cares who's the preacher? Who cares who organizes it? Who cares what happens as long as people come to Jesus? Amen? That's what matters. Nothing else matters. So let's make that commitment this morning. When the call comes to fast, or when you feel that call to fast, that you would fast in the most appropriate manner that we've spoken about this morning. Amen? And don't be afraid of the fast. Start it easy. Start it long. Go without... You know, lunch. Go without morning tea. You know those scones with cream and jam that you have every day at work? Fast them. I have. Because I never get scone, cream and jams at work. Ever. So it's an easy fast. But you hear what I'm saying? Come on. Let's rise up people. Let's push through. Let's not wait. Let's not just hold on. Let's break through into a different realm. Amen? Amen. Yeah. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning and we thank you for the life of Jesus that he was bold and strong enough to say, you just don't do that when the bridegroom is with the people celebrating. But Lord, you've gone and you're going to come again. And we want to see you come again. And now our responsibility as children of the living God is to fast and to pray and to seek your face and see revival. This great land of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I believe that there are pockets of churches right across this nation 
who will call upon your name and be saved. That revival fires will break out from the very tip of the north to the very south, Lord God. From east to west, there'll be fires of revival, Lord God. And you will bring it in the most unusual way. And you will get the glory, Jesus. All honor to you, Lord God. Let revival break out in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. And if you're watching online and you don't know Jesus, and you said, one day I'll give my life to Jesus, today is a day of salvation. Surrender your life to Christ. And if you're here this morning, you've never prayed that prayer, God, come into my life. You can do that now. And I know that God will begin to work in your life. It starts with a simple prayer. And it's a journey of understanding who Jesus is, bringing revelation that He is the Son of God, that He died for your sins upon the cross, and He wants you to be set free. And you know, He wants you to be set free, and it is free. There's no cost, because He paid the price for your sin upon the cross. And you just receive Him by faith and say, Jesus, if you're real, come into my life. That's what I did. That's what I did. And little bit by little bit, I started to understand who God was. And I tell you, I'm never, ever going back. Amen. Lord, bless your people. Lord, bless them and keep them and cause your face to shine upon them. Be good to them, O God. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening today. I hope you subscribe to the podcast so you can be inspired weekly. God bless and have a great day.